you all for listening today. My name is Kayla Moody, and I'm the current solid organ transplant PGY2 at Duke University Hospital. Today, I wanted to talk to you all about a more unique, but definitely exciting topic that took the transplant world by storm, which is xenotransplantation. If anyone is unfamiliar with this, we can first start off with a couple definitions. In the solid organ transplant world, we are most commonly thinking of allotransplantation, which is the transplant of an organ or tissue from one individual to another that is of the same species with a different genotype. Therefore, our human-to-human transplants that we are seeing every day. Xenotransplantation, however, is defined as the transplantation, implantation, or infusion of live cells, tissues, or organs between members of different species. This is what brings us back to the root of today's conversation. As I'm sure you are all aware, earlier this year at the University of Maryland, they performed the first porcine to human heart transplant and made history on January 7th of 2022. Although it seems really crazy to think about, this has actually been an ongoing area of scientific research for decades. But overall, this ability was really made possible through several different practice advancements, including genetic modification of donor animals and complex and novel immunosuppression strategies. In the era of a high organ demand with inadequate supply, this landmark moment could pave the way for expanding the organ donor pool even further. Of course, there is still a long way to go, but what was once thought to have been impossible is really starting to slowly become more of a possibility. Xenotransplantation with animal organs into human recipients has actually been performed since the early 1900s, with the first being a pig kidney that was transplanted by a French surgeon in the year of 1906. Unfortunately, the survival was very short at only three days. Over the following 20 years, this was followed up by a handful of other unsuccessful kidney xenotransplants, with survival ranging from hours to several days. However, it wasn't until after the emergence of successful allotransplantation and our introduction to our immunosuppression medications in the 1950s and 60s that the practice of xenotransplant then started back up. Unfortunately, they experienced troubles with size mismatch and, of course, rejection um, that ended up resulting in graft loss. The most notable attempt at a heart transplant was conducted in 1984 when a baboon heart was then transplanted into an infant girl referred to as Baby Faye. She survived for 21 days with this heart, but ultimately rejection took over. There were a couple of other failed attempts at cardiac xenotransplantation, but hyperacute rejection was a major challenge, resulting in very short patient survival. And with all of these unsuccessful attempts, attempts, it was in 1999 that the FDA actually announced a ban on all clinical trials of xenotransplantation involving humans. It was also at this time that the FDA issued a guideline warning about the unsuitability of primates such as baboons um, as donors. They cited that the issue of size mismatch, as well as the overall slow growth to maturity, it's about nine years, um, actually comes along with a very high cost of maintenance and also a very high risk of infection transfer with using baboons as our donor. However, they did mention if xenotransplantation was to be considered, um, and also for future animal studies, that they would prefer that pigs um, be the preferred donor animal. Pigs grow very rapidly, reaching adult size in as soon as six months, um, therefore being a bit of a rough size match as well for humans. The largest concern, of course, would be the difference in the immune system when compared to humans and the many barriers that that entails. The largest immunologic barrier would be hyperacute rejection of the graft um, through preformed human antibodies, specifically targeting pig antigen, leading to activation of the complement cascade, membrane attack complex formation, and then ultimately graft failure. 
The specific antigen that was identified as the major epitope responsible for hyperacute rejection is the alpha-galactose-1,3-galactose carbohydrate, also referred to as alpha-gal, and that is present on the surface of all porcine cells. However, humans actually have anti-alpha-gal antibody, which comprises about 4% of our circulating immunoglobulins. Therefore, hyperacute rejection and complement pathway activation would be inevitable if a pig organ was placed into a human recipient. The discovery of alpha-gal did lead to progress, though, in genetic modification and the ability to remove alpha-gal completely from the pig genome, which created our gene knockout pigs. Um, therefore, potentially, this could be avoiding one of the major pathways of hyperacute rejection just simply through removal of that gene. But of course, the risk does not stop there. Other types of complications can arise, including acute vascular xenograft rejection. This results from the immune response occurring on the endothelium, including adhesion of our natural killer cells and macrophages, which then promote platelet aggregation and adhesion and leading to the formation of clots. But not only is there a risk of clots, there's also risk of bleed. Coagulation dysregulation can also occur due to distinct differences in donor and recipient hematologic systems. Um, this was evidenced by disseminated coagulation and also thrombotic microangiopathy that has been seen in many xenotransplant attempts. So like the elimination of the alpha-gal, um, genetic modification was also performed to target these specific pathways as well. This included nine more modifications totaling up to our 10 gene edited pig, um, which was the pig that was used in January's um, pig to human heart transplant. This included six human genes that were inserted or knocked in um, including our genes for complement, inflammation, and coagulation regulation. And there were four pig genes that were removed or knocked out, such as certain immunogenic targets like alpha-gal, as well as the pig's growth hormone receptor. These modifications do come with the hope of reducing that innate immune response, but of course it does not come without risk. Genetic engineering and modification come with their own limitations, as not every pathway can be stopped through removal or deletion of a gene. There is also concern that too much genetic editing can affect graft longevity. This results in a fallback on our, other, on our other strategies for preventing immune response and delayed graft rejection, which is our immunosuppressive medications. Several different maintenance immunosuppressive regimens have been studied throughout the xenotransplant animal studies. Um, these regimens did have to constantly be adjusted though due to poor efficacy and very high rejection rates. Interestingly, it became clear that the typical regimen that we use in our human-to-human -human transplant with a calcineurin inhibitor backbone actually wasn't that successful in xenotransplant. Studies showed that uh, xenotransplant recipients with a calcineurin inhibitor-based maintenance immunosuppressive regimen had shorter survival and often had more complications such as thrombotic microangiopathy and also consumptive coagulopathy. This caused researchers to try targeting a different pathway with immunosuppression. The target of interest became the CD40-CD154 pathway. CD40 is present on antigen-presenting cells, and CD154 is found on T cells. This interaction of CD40 and 154 directly leads to co-stimulation through CD80 and CD86 receptors and CD28 activation through our signal-2 pathway. Of course, this is a novel immunosuppressive agent with using an anti-CD40 and anti-CD4 agent as there is not one that is currently commercially available. However, 
with this um, new novel regimen, researchers did find that through these animal studies, providing this anti-CD40 antibody actually resulted in significantly longer graft survival and less incidence of rejection and complications. This anti-CD40 regimen was even compared directly to a tacrolimus-based regimen by Yamamoto and colleagues out of UAB. They evaluated baboons who had received a kidney transplant from a pig donor. The tacrolimus group only had a median rejection-free survival of 14 days. However, the anti-CD40 antibody group had a median rejection-free survival of greater than 280 days, with most recipients never actually experiencing rejection throughout the length of the study. These results, along with other positive findings from the anti-CD40-based regimen, is what helped base the immunosuppressive regimen for the first cardiac xenotransplant in a human that was done this past January. They used rituximab, antithymocyte globulin, complement in inhibitor, and anti-CD40 antibody for induction. The maintenance immunosuppressive regimen consisted of further use of anti-CD40 antibody, mycophenolate, and steroids. Of course, the immunosuppression had to be tweaked a bit over time, but the anti-CD40 antibody stayed a consistent piece of this regimen. The patient receiving the xenotransplant had a survival of 60 days, but on post-mortem examination, examination, it was actually not found to have findings that were consistent with typical xenograft rejection. All this goes to say is that targeting this novel pathway of CD40-154 inhibition does show promise in immunosuppression for xenotransplant, and also potentially for allotransplant if it is ever studied in that area. Like mentioned before, there is not currently an agent that is commercially available, but it's worth noting that there are some phase one and phase two studies that are currently being conducted now, so potentially could be an option in the near future. Besides just rejection, another large concern with xenotransplant is the risk of infection. Certain challenges include the need for optimization of infection prevention and also screening of the donor animals. Other barriers, of course, include social and ethical barriers, as well as the overall implementation and allocation if xenotransplantation was to be accepted. All of these challenges has to be accounted for as the study of xenotransplant advances, but it's clear that progress is being made. The potential for xenotransplant could allow for an unlimited donor supply and resolve the organ shortage that we are experiencing now. Progression in gene editing and also this novel immunosuppressive use has really been key in this advancement. The FDA did have a meeting in June of this year with a specific segment that was focusing on the future of xenotransplant. Overall, this resulted in the request for further animal studies before approving any type of clinical trial in humans. But this really goes to show that there is still more to come with xenotransplantation, and I am excited to see it all unfold. Thank you for listening, and feel free to contact me at kayla.moody at duke.edu for any questions or even just further discussion. I will leave you all with a quote from the son of Mr. David Bennett, who was that recipient of the first pig-to-human xenotransplant in January. He said, we hope this story can be the beginning of hope and not the end. We also hope that what was learned from his surgery will benefit future patients and hopefully one day end the organ shortage that costs so many lives each year. Again, thank you all for listening. Take care.